He's not the brightest guy in the room, but he is the cheapest. I love lamp. I love lamp. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Adam Crowley out. Rob Rossi in! Travis across from me. I messed up the buttons. You're, you're, it's a good thing you're not a professional. I don't do this. You don't. I'm not a. Prof, I'm not the, a producer. The number one rule is you don't tell the the audience that you messed up because they don't know. Yeah, that. they don't okay. know. They don't know. Uh, welcome to the Alley Crowley. Ad Alley 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 Crowley. I have an Al. His name is Rossi. He's at the Aviary. Go to the Aviary and see Rossi the Al. Adam Crowley. That's actually a true story. I have an Al named Rossi. Uh, Adam Crowley is out on his own show. I am in. I am Rob Rossi. That's the important name to get right. At real underscore Rob Rossi on the Twitter machine. We will be talking this hour to a good friend of mine. Two good friends of mine. Yeah, I can say that. Uh, Scott Burnside of The Athletic and Brian Metza of Penguins Radio Network. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about hockey today because, quite frankly, the other option is baseball. And, nah. Uh, a good buddy of mine from French Canada, Renaud Lavoie. Or as we call him, ready. Uh, tweeting long discussions today regarding hits to the head at the GM meetings. Status quo for now. If you're gonna have long discussions about something, don't go with status quo. Like what? What's the long discussion? Uh, so hitting to the head, hitting to the head. Uh, do we got anybody? Uh, let's see. Um, Governor Travis uh, hits to the head. Are you for or against it? Against it. You have to be against it. Now, let's have a long discussion about this, because uh, clearly there's a lot of gray area here. Uh, the head, should we hit it? Um, Governor Rossi, uh, yes. All right, why? Uh, I, I, I like carnage. Okay, discuss. We don't need all of these long discussions. Like, what can the long discussion be? Like, are you a fan of damaging somebody's brain? Not just anybody brain but somebody who you're paying millions of dollars to and your livelihood relies on it well wait a minute let me think about this here my livelihood relies on the guy that that guy's going against and my guy's not as good as that guy so in this situation i'm actually in favor of damaging that guy's brain correct sir that is the right answer mm-hmm. i love hockey i like the nhl when there is no NHL hockey in 30 years, we're going to look back and say it's because when all the evidence circumstantial only because they have absolutely not written legislation yet, announcing it as fact, when all the evidence points to brains being damaged, brain cells being destroyed forever, not that you can destroy things temporarily, my sanity, maybe, because of direct contact to the head or indirect contact to the head, but it doesn't really matter if it's intentional or not. It's just the contact of the head. We'll look back and go, boy, you know, the NHL bet on the wrong horse there. Sort of like the newspapers that thought in the like late 90s, you know, this internet thing's going to pass. We should just put everything up there and give it away for free. Train people to think to never pay for news. Hi, Travis. Hey, Rob. So, You're on a roll. You're doing good. I like all that. Um, Head contact is bad. You're a hockey fan. I'm familiar, yeah. You play hockey? Yeah. 
Absolutely. Have you ever seen the game played at a more violent level than it is at the NHL? I mean, aside from some some really, really bad adult league games at Neville right. Island. I mean, right. yeah. Definitely. But that's it. I mean, yeah. and even I would argue then it's more consistently safe on Neville Island than it is, say, late in a Stanley Cup playoff series. Right. Especially if you're trying to send your message right. or if you're playing from behind. Right. Um, yeah. Like, as it's great a story, and I think it's been a great story that the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. I really do. I think it's good for hockey to have a team of that profile, a fan base that's been that long-suffering to finally win. But are we supposed to forget because Alex Ovechkin has, A, spent the last couple of weeks drinking and bench-pressing the Stanley Cup, and B, somehow turning back time. The man's had wrinkles disappear, gray hair turned dark since he won the Stanley Cup. How much pressure was on Alex that he looks this young all of a sudden? Are we supposed to forget, because of all that, that Tom Wilson basically spent the first three rounds of the playoffs trying to kill people, trying to behead people. Like, if this was medieval times, he would be the most effective knight because he was the best at pretty much separating your larynx and the head. Are we supposed to forget that? Should I just forget that? That was all in the name of hockey. He won the Stanley Cup, so it was all deserved. That's how people see it. Yeah. He got that ring. That's all that matters. He got that ring. So did it turn you off when you were watching hockey this year? Like, I am... I'm definitely a fan of physical play, Rob. I uh, that's all I'm talking about. Though. Well, I know the hit, the, the the nasty stuff that uh, even for example, a lot of people were going uh, talking about that hit in the Stanley Cup final. Whenever he hit uh, the, the name escapes me, who 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 was it that he who hit? Who was that? Marsh Marsh Yeah. Marshall. So so there was a good amount of people that thought that was a real good hit, and like I'm really? all for that was I'm a all, terrible hit. I'm all for getting a guy when he's vulnerable. I mean, not. Okay. In the I'm right all for context. nailing a guy when he's vulnerable. No. Make the man in suffer. This, no, I mean, if it's a big I'll teach him to be on the if, ice. If you're getting a guy and and, he, and you know you want to knock him off the puck, that's fine. In this case, I think he gets him from behind. He gets him way late. And there was a lot of people that thought that was a really good hit. And that's really? kind of yeah. You know, there's a lot yeah. of people that thought that was a good hit. And there's a, a difference time. between liking physical hockey and not wanting to take all of the grit out of the game and just wanting people to get destroyed from for no reason. And I agree with you. And why I bring this up is we were talking during the break about you know why is it impossible to like somebody as a person and disagree with them in terms of what they do? Um, I'll use an example. I. I get along with the mayor of Pittsburgh, Bill Peduto. I get along with him. I don't consider him necessarily a friend, but we get along. We're social when we see each other. Every once in a while, reach out to me about a question about hockey, and, you know, I disagree with some stuff that he does. I can do that, right? Um, I'm sure you've not always agreed with everything I've done, but you like me. He has to like me because at one point I was the reason he got into games, but still... (laughs) Like, I mean, it's possible to just have a disagreement with somebody, right? Yeah. Well, no, people don't get that either. That's, that's the other thing. And, today, and that's in sports and out of sports. People people will take their, their thoughts and opinions, and if they don't match with somebody else's, that person is immediately no longer a real person to them. It's, it's, it's interesting how people cannot understand that there's different differing opinions on things, but that doesn't mean that that person's an awful person. I, I don't know. I think it's just odd. By the way, let's go over some number two overall picks. The NHL draft is tonight, right? Um, and we're talking about uh, second overall picks in the history of the NHL draft, right? Got to be a lot of good ones. There are. There are some good. Let's just go back to 2001. That was uh, Jason Spezza. 
Okay. Spezza was the second pick that year. Number one, Ilya Kovalchuk. Uh, Kerry Lettinen, Atlanta goalie, uh, didn't turn out so well. Number next Still year, in the league? Still in the league, yeah. I mean, he wasn't like, he wasn't a, he was supposed to be the next great goalie. He was, he's been an okay goalie. Uh, Eric Stahl, best player in the history of the Carolina Hurricanes. That's not bad. 2004, Evgeny Malkin, one of the 20 best players of all time. Uh, 101st best all time. Yes, that's right. I keep forgetting that when I, yes, I keep forgetting this is that new Canadian uh, conversion. Actual top 20 means 101. Yes. No wonder they can't win. Their math is just so bad. They're not even going to understand when we build the wall how high it is because the the mathematical <laughs> equivalent is just wrong. Uh, 2005. Look, real nice player, but the it seems like it's a couple Milky Ways between Bobby Ryan at number two and Sidney Crosby at number one. I think Bobby Ryan... Should have been better. I don't know. He had a couple of good years early. Yeah, but he... Bobby Ryan still play hockey. Is he still in the league? I don't know. That's a good. Well, question. he was with Anaheim at last check, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, his good no, years. His good right. years with Ottawa. No, he's with. Uh, isn't he with uh, Ottawa now? He started with Ottawa. Yeah. No, no, no. He started with Anaheim. Or did he start with Anaheim? Yeah, I'm see. I'm, I'm all confused. Now. Yeah. He's okay. With Ottawa okay. Now. Yeah. He's one of those. He's one of those terrible Ottawa contracts that are like, along with, of course. Uh, acknowledged threats of violence by your teammate's girlfriend to your wife that wants to drive Eric Carlson out of Ottawa. Uh, Jordan Stahl, very good player for the Penguins for a while, uh, number two overall, but of course, you know, everybody will look at that draft and be, could have had Jonathan Taves. James Van Riemdyk in 2007. Huh. Drew Doughty, 2008. Right now, I'd say Doughty and Malkin are the two best number two picks going back, except then we get Doughty's been the the one of the cornerstones of the Kings for right. that long. Think about this: 2008, Drew Doughty, number two overall. Victor Hedman, 2009, two overall. 2010, Tyler Sagan, two overall. Those that's a pretty good run. It's a pretty good run. So you can get a really good player at number two, or you can get Patrick Stefan. It's really just a crapshoot after that. Do you like the NHL draft? That's my point. That's my question. Uh, the only reason it's really exciting to me and a lot of people is because nowadays, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's happened a lot in years that you don't pay attention to so much, but a lot of the wheeling and dealing that happens on the draft floor and, um, some of the big moves and the Penguins have been very active on the draft floor with trades. You think one's coming tonight? I, I don't know about that. Who I mean, do you think? I know, I know Jim likes to talk to people. I mean, I don't know Jim personally. You cover the team a lot closer than I do, but talking with you and some of the other people that do cover the team close. I know that Jim loves loves to be involved, even if he has zero shot in the world, just because he wants to be there. Who is more likely on July, the evening of July 1st, to be a Pittsburgh Penguin? Bill Kessel or Chris Letang? I think both of them will be here. I asked, who is more likely? You have to pick. None of this. Call Chris Letang. Okay. It's a tough call though between those two, but I, I think both will still be here. But there's Not a sure. lot of things. I, the other thing is a lot of do, once once dominoes start to fall, whenever that first move happens, like there's still some uncertainty. I feel like the Islanders kind of have a good idea that like, I, th I feel like in their mind they think they have Tavares locked up, but there's a lot of I don't see where he there. goes if he doesn't go to well Vegas. Well, I'd go to Vegas. I know Toronto. I don't know why everybody's not trying to go to Vegas right you now. You know Toronto. Like, woo, Vegas, good team. Vegas. Toronto put ice back in the Air Canada Center over the week, 
to shoot a promo <laughs> video just to present to him and his agent. That's a real thing. One bad thing about the National Hockey League is so many players re-sign with their teams that free agency sort of become a dud. Like, there's none of this LeBron stuff. Like, even the last one, the Stamkos stuff, like, he dragged it out, but then he just re-signed with his team. Like, there's none of this, like... I think decision. guys like the hype, and they want to see what happens if... And teams wait around for that I don't think hockey players do. I think they, you know, I talked to Sidney Crosby about that once, and I said, like, you're never going to be a free agent. And he goes, I don't want to be. Like, that sucks. That You know, why do you want to have to deal with that? Like, you want to stay with a team, get a deal done with the team. I think that has to do with, you, you talk about the differences in athletes in each sport, guys in the NFL and the NBA, they love that extra attention, and they love that uncertainty of where are they going to be next year, and they have TV specials about the decisions that they make, like LeBron, but I don't know, I don't know, I, like I said, it's going to be interesting, um, I feel like once everybody gets a good idea about what John Tavares is up to, and I have no idea, like you said, I mean, so they get a coach, they get a coach in Barry Trotz, which I, I know how you feel about Barry Trotz. He shut me up. He won the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah. That was one of the best coaching jobs I've ever seen. Yeah, but that's uh, that was the worst. Your, your opinions had. can change. But what I'm saying, so so you got that. You got the fact that they're playing. They pretty much don't have a home. They're they playing half and half on the home schedule, which is really weird, really interesting, and weird. And then you got the un, not the uncertainty, but you got another arena coming. So you got like three different locales in that whole questionable situation. So I don't know if that makes New York attractive to him or not. To stay there. He is from the Toronto area. Yeah. They have ice in Toronto now, you say? They, so they put... I didn't realize they never had ice in Toronto. Well, so... No, Hockey like, Mecca, I just thought they <laughs> had the ice all year. Well, you know what I mean. They melt the arena down for the summer. wake up and breathe ice. I'm from Toronto. That's a heck of an interesting effort to make, though, to put ice in to shoot a... You're pretty much making a PowerPoint to sell your team to a guy. That's like very, very... Maybe they were inspired by the North Korean hype video made by the Trump I, administration. I guess. I don't know. Maybe they should just show that to John Tavares. Between that and... Uh, and Come to our country and stay in that one. Which is your choice? Uh, yeah, well. And plus, you got the, the, the player influence. That doesn't... People act like that doesn't happen. That 100% happens. You got guys texting their buddies. You got guys, oh, come here. We can do this for you. That's why it's going to be interesting to see what the Penguins do with this Jack Johnson stuff. Because... If he comes here and it works out, cool. We brought in Sid's buddy. It worked out. If not, we brought in Sid's friend and it failed. I figure the Penguins can fail for like the next three years and people are just like, hey, you won the Stanley Cup two years in a row. Uh, I feel like if the Penguins don't win another one in the next three years, it will be another. It'll be another What's situation. What's the worst that can of, happen? We'll have a summer full of country concerts, and the latest of which is uh, tomorrow. Kelsey Ballerini and Keith Urban. There you go. See, this Crowley good did that. sell. Good Crowley stuff. No, that. he doesn't come anywhere See, close to I'm doing so that. I'm so much better than Crowley. It'll be I interesting. Bet, you know what? I bet his wife's family would like me better, too. On vacation with yeah. them? I, yeah. I, I, I'd I, be fun on vacation. I'd never go outside. I'd just buy drinks. So, Travis, it's been fun talking to you. I believe. You do. Well, you can stay and talk to Scott Burnside if you want. Oh, you can talk okay. to Scott Burnside. Right. I, met, I met him with you, you at the, at Media Day, Stanley Cup Media Day, whenever yes. the Penguins played the, uh, the Predators. All right. Good stuff. We'll be back. Scott Burnside. Joining me, Rob Rossi. An Adam Crowley show. It's been Pittsburgh. Well, it is a busy time at the NHL draft, so we're we're hoping to hear back from Scott Burnside. He he. Uh, so I've covered the NHL draft. Here's the problem: the the NHL draft is a really tough day because you guys think of it as this event that starts at like seven o'clock, but it's actually an event that like. 
from the very beginning, from the very beginning, you're busy. So we'll welcome in now a longtime friend, one of my mentors in the hockey. I'm getting choked up just talking about uh, a mentor of mine, a friend of Pittsburgh, the next mayor of Pittsburgh. From the Athletic, that's the first time I've been able to say that in the air. Scott Burnside, Scott, you're back in Dallas. Mm-hmm. How's it feel? <laughs> that feels uh, stinking hot and uh, <laughs> very sweaty, but no, it's good to. It's all you know. I enjoyed my time here in Dallas, and so it's uh, it's fun to get back. And I always love the draft, as you know, Rob. It's a you know, so the hockey community comes together on mass. You know, it's uh, scouts, it's the coaches, it's management, it's you know, you see the odd player around. So it's uh, I always love the draft, and uh, even though I may not know much about any of the prospects, uh, it's it's always a fun time to get back and you know just to you know really just to you know catch up with people. And I you know it's all there's always, especially uh, in the new landscape in the NHL, <clears throat> this is the time of year where a lot of the major deals get either if they don't get done, they certainly get uh, bandied about. Uh, in great detail. So uh, it's always an exciting time uh, as we get closer and closer to the draft. And uh, again, when you talk about the landscape of the NHL, if, if this is these are the moments where you find out whether your staff has, has done the work because you can't win in this man's NHL uh, or this person's NHL without drafting and developing uh, at a high level. It just it can't be done. And uh, so that's, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on a lot of people uh, starting tonight at uh, 6.30 local time. Scott Burnside, my guest. Follow him on the Twitter machine at Overtime Scott B. Follow his work at The Athletic com Scott, you know, I used to love it. I don't know if they still have them, but uh, the barriers, the barricades, where they separate the media from the tables. And I used to love, I basically, I think people used to make fun of me because I, I used to love to sort of spy on the Penguins table by standing on one of those step stools that they have there the whole night. Because it's the only event I know of where you can kind of watch things as they're going on. You'll, you'll see a phone be picked up at one table and then you'll see a guy pick up the phone at the next table, and you know it's serious if they both kind of get up and try to find a secret exit. And, you know, a lot of media members or teams guys, beat guys, are talking to national guys, sort of, I'm hearing this, are you hearing that? We're all, we're all kind of lost in this wild moment. I, I don't know anything in sport like it. it. It was fun for me when I covered it because I don't remember ever knowing anything about a person the player the Penguins drafted but they were always so active on draft night that it was like, I didn't need to. No, I think you're absolutely right. And it is, I mean, it is still set up the exact same way. They got the great stanchions in case the media hordes try and breach the uh, divide and leap onto the draft floor. But, and you, you know, that's what happens, right? People, they they gravitate to the, the barricades and they wait for people to come by so that they might gather a few words and, and you're right, you are watching conversations and body language and trying to figure out what teams are talking to other teams and what might happen. And especially, you know, this year where there are so many prominent players whose names are, are out there, whether it actually leads to any kind of deal or not. But when you think of players like Eric Carlson and Max Pacioretty and Noah Hannafin and Jeff Skinner and, you know, go down the list, and Ryan O'Reilly from Buffalo, um, there are a lot of players, impact players, um, whose names are out there, who could be moved. So, um, the, again, these are important times, and these are you know sort of moments. I, I think this is, you know, even though we still make a big deal about the trade deadline, uh, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that the draft has become the moment of truth 
for a lot of NHL teams. These are where things, you know, futures or, um, you know, uh, playoff performances, playoff opportunities are, are sometimes, you know, made or lost here on, on deals that get done or don't get done at the draft. And I think it's probably never been truer than it is now and has been the last couple of years. Scott Burnside, my guest here on ESPN Pittsburgh. This is Rob Rossi filling in for Adam Crowley. This is the Adam Crowley Show. Scott is at the NHL entry draft in Dallas, which people may not know, but I believe there are more professional hockey teams in the state of Texas than any uh, state in the United States. So I'm not sure if that's still true, Scott, but I know for a long time it was. So. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you didn't pose that as a direct question to me, so I can avoid having to answer one way or the other. But I do know that the, you know, the Dallas Stars American Hockey League team, the uh, the uh, Texas Stars, they're based just outside of Austin, uh, just lost in the seven game final to Toronto in the Calder Cup. So that's a good thing. And there is a, there's a long history of. You know, junior hockey and the Central Hockey League. I remember coming here during the 2012 lockout. Uh, and doing a piece on the uh, Allen Americans, which at that point were owned uh, in part by Craig Ludwig mm-hmm. and Ed Belfort and some of the the, the fam- you know the great stars players from that '99 Cup team. So yeah, no, there's a long history of it here. Scott, I wanted to ask you real quick because I know you, you you worked with the Stars last year, and I I always have a soft spot in my heart for the Dallas Stars because I enjoyed watching that team in the late '90s that they built so much, and I. To me, they were like, they were on the cusp of winning three in a row. They got their one, they lost in a final. But that, to me, when we talk about great teams of the last quarter century, that's a team that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. What, what do you recall about that that particular group, um, you know, sort of that, that Mike Madonna group? Because they, to me, they, they were a good team that was fun to watch in a time when hockey wasn't exactly appealing. Well, and, and, you know, it was a time when, of course, without a salary cap and in a, you know, they, I mean, when they moved from Minnesota, um, which is 25 years ago, uh, it didn't take them long, you know, relatively speaking, to win what, the, you know, the, as you point out, the, the first of what looked like might be many championships. As it turned out, it was just the one. Uh, and having spent the season here, I guess I'm reminded of just how important winning a cup like that was for this community and this mm-hmm. franchise. And, you know, I worked uh, pretty closely with Craig Ludwig, who did uh, color along on the um, uh, television broadcast with Daryl Ray. Um, you know, Ed Belfour's in the community. Uh, they did a, a whole series where they brought former players in over the course of the season. And uh, the, the bond with that team to this community it's unshakable, and I, you know maybe it's similar to what you know the the Penguins teams in '91 and '92. Maybe that it's it, maybe it's the same kind of thing. But I think given that a lot of those players, you know, Mike Medano was a young player who moved with the franchise uh, from Minnesota to Dallas, became you know I arguably I, I wrote this when he went in the U.S. Hall of Fame that you know on the Mount Rushmore of Dallas uh, sports. Right. Stars. That's how important he was, and how important that team is. And it remains, you know, uh, you know, when you don't win a cup after that, and it's been a long spell, and it's frankly, it's been a long spell for this team. You know, in terms of, I think they've made the playoffs two of the last ten years here in Dallas. It's been a, it's been a dry spell for them, and of course, missing this year after a tremendous start. Um, 
you remember those glory moments and maybe they become uh, even more pronounced in, in terms of the, the public's and the fans' uh, memory because uh, there hasn't been any kind of follow-up in terms of a championship. Scott Burnside of The Athletic, uh, national columnist for The Athletic when it comes to the National Hockey League, is my guest here. Follow him at Overtime Scotty B on the Twitter machine. Scott, uh, I was interested to see that Dan Bosma resurfaces as an assistant coach with the Detroit Red Wings. Um, I always think a guy like Dan takes a job if he thinks there's a chance. It takes an assistant job if he thinks there might be a chance for an opening. Um, I don't know if you have any inside knowledge on that, but I mean that's sort of my view. When a guy that's a cup-winning coach or a successful coach joins a team as an assistant, he's generally thinking there might be an opportunity. Is that sort of safe to say? You think? Yeah, and you know what, <clears throat> and it may not be so pronounced as saying, well, you know, I, uh, you know, maybe Jeff Blasso uh, will will take will take the fall, and I can right. slide in there. But I, I think I do think that that there is. You know, you know, you hope if you're a head coach and, you know, you win a cup uh, as Dan did and, um, wasn't able to follow it up with uh, sustained playoff success and ultimately cost him his job and cost Ray Shiro his job. Um, you know, if a job doesn't come along quickly in terms of a head coaching job, you know, you have to make, <clears throat> you have to make a decision about how you're going to keep yourself viable and relevant. <clears throat> Dan did a lot of media stuff and I thought he was quite good at it. Um, you know, had an opportunity to, you know, be involved in world championships and things like that. But I think you need to be on an NHL bench um, because, I, A, it keeps you fresh. I mean, right. it, you know, it, it, you need to be coaching. And yeah. I think that's an important thing. And, you know, the Stanley Cup never goes away for Dan Bilesman. That's something that, you know, all prospective um, em- employers will always remember. But I think the fact that you're on a bench somewhere, and certainly, you know, it's going to be hard in Detroit. They might be the worst team in the NHL in the, in the coming season. I think a lot of people imagine they'll be a draft lottery team. But, you know what? Maybe he's part of a coaching staff that helps, you know, this team take strides forward, and maybe that gets recognized. I mean, I think you, you know, Todd Reardon, who of course coached in Pittsburgh as an, uh, as an assistant, and looks to be the odds-on favorite to become the head coach in Washington. And it's, you know, it's taken him time too. You have to, you know, it's a cliche, but you have to pay your dues, and, yeah. and I think you have to be working. And I think that's probably what it is for Dan Bilesman. And I think that's a good ad for the Detroit Red Wings. I, I don't think, you know, especially a team that's going to be very young, and they're going to need a lot of coaching. And I think that's a good fit for both the club and for Dan Bilesman. Scott Burnside, my guest here on ESPN Pittsburgh. Scott, the, the Ottawa Senators are, well, let's just face it, it looks from the outside like it's a mess right now. Um, it's, it's really tough for me to see them coming out of this weekend and certainly coming out of July 1st not having had a significant shakeup. What are you hearing about the Senators? I know the big name is Carlson, but it just seems like right now they have to have a lot of chips in play because there are some things going on there that are real disruptive to that franchise. Yeah, you, you're being very kind. I just assume you're <laughs> going to use the term train wreck, uh, tire fire, um, you know, any of those things. And it, I mean, it, it is shocking when you think about it. a little over a year ago, they were one goal away from going to a Stanley Cup final against the Nashville uh, Predators and, you know, uh, doing the unthinkable and knocking off the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, you know, that's how close they were. Um, and and it, it's a testament to how quickly things can fall apart uh, in the NHL. And, you know, I, I, to me, it, it's, it's a cautionary tale, and it always goes back to, you know, what – 
from the top on down, how are you built? And, and frankly, there is an ownership issue with the Ottawa Senators. It's not a great situation with Eugene Melnick there. There are a lot of people who believe that the team would be better off if he sold the team and there was a new owner in Ottawa. Um, those are, you know, and, and the problems feed down from that. And, you know, they've got uh, a criminal investigation into Randy Lee, the assistant GM. You've got uh, the uh, um, criminal investigation into uh, alleged cyber bullying, cyber stalking involving uh, Eric Carlson's wife and uh, Hoffman's long-term partner. And, I mean, you have so many things going on. Hoffman, of course, traded first to San Jose and then to Florida this uh, this week. Uh, Eric Carlson, who will be entering the final year of his deal, does he? Uh, I think the Senators will likely offer a contract if for nothing but for show to, mm-hmm. to show that they you know that they were good as their word, that they were going to uh, make an offer, and, and if he uh, can't or won't accept it, that, that he will be traded. Um, and it, it's hard to imagine where this franchise goes from here. You know, they're you know they'd like to have a new building in downtown. In Ottawa, uh, but boy, it's uh, that's a fan base that you know they they have struggled to fill the seats there in recent years, and it will be uh, my guess is it's going to be quite ugly this season, not only on the ice but in the stands and in terms of their revenues. Uh, it's a it, it is a huge problem for that franchise, and frankly, I think it's a huge problem for the NHL, and it's going to be fascinating to see how it plays out. Last one for you, Scott, uh, and we're talking with Scott Burnside. Follow him on Twitter at Overtime Scotty B. Check out his work at the Athletic. Uh, I hope you guys are making everything free this weekend so we can see it, and then we all have to buy subscriptions. That's the way it's going to work, right, Scott? Uh, no, in fact, I would not just assume that every single one of your listeners would have bought a subscription by the time this interview would have well, been Well, that's over. the whole that's point of it. That's okay. the whole point of it. I mean, it's only fair given all the business you've given to the South Side. Uh, and, and, uh, all right, Scott, uh, John Tavares, um, look, we don't, we don't get many opportunities like this anymore to see a guy even get the July one. So I always root for the story and it's been so long since a player of, of real significance switched sides on free agency that part of me wants to see what it would look like if there were a bidding war, but what are you hearing? What's the latest? It just, it strikes me as. Less than fifty percent chance he's not back with the Islanders, but I'll trust your judgment on this. Yeah, and I, you know, I don't really know anymore. And certainly, I, I know that the, the prevailing, you know, the, the the group gut feel is that Tavares will find a way to stay with the uh, Islanders. Uh, you know, and, and they, you know, they've done some important things in recent weeks and frank in recent days to make that an attractive location. I mean, obviously for John Tavares, but frankly, I think for any uh, player moving forward, and you have Lou Lamorello there, and uh, you know, nice work in Toronto during the last uh, two or three years that he was there, um, and certainly bringing in Barry Trotz, fresh from his first ever Stanley Cup win as a head coach. Um, those are attractive. Um, components because it's, it's to me it speaks to stability and and that's something you know it's been a franchise that's been 
you know, sort of on the edge of chaos for a long time. It hasn't been particularly well run. You know, Garceau, I, you know, I think it's fair to say that while he did do a nice job in, in locking up some of his key pieces to nice contracts, there have been lots of issues in terms of personnel. They don't have a bona fide goaltender. The defense isn't nearly good enough. <clears throat> now, those are e- those are fixes that can be made, uh, but you have to have your centerpiece. You have to have your top center and captain, John Tavares, stay. Um, you know, my gut tells me that he finds a way to, to stay there. It'll be interesting. Uh, you know, you hear rumors that Ilya Kovalchuk, who wants to come back, wants to win a Stanley Cup, um, that he would like to play with John Tavares. So uh, there are a lot of – it's a very fluid time. And, you know, with John Tavares, it's going to be at least two years before the team moves into a new rink. I see the schedule is announced. I think they're playing 20 games at the Coliseum on Long Island, uh, which is an appeasement to the players who, well, I think it's fair to say, don't like the <laughs> like playing in Brooklyn. It's terrible. The ice is brutal. It's not built for hockey. It's a terrible place to play. Um, so a lot of it's a, there's a lot of fluidity to it. I think at the end of the day, he finds a way to stay, just as we saw Stephen Stamkos stay in Tampa. Um, but I'll tell you, yeah, I'm with you, Rob. It's it's always fun to imagine a player of Tavares's stature and standing uh, potentially move teams because it's it's great. It's it makes for great fodder, makes for great discussion. Uh, but we'll have to see how it unfolds. All right, Uncle Scotty, thank you so much as always. Hey, show the boys a good time tonight in the old stomping grounds. I will do my best, my friend. It uh, won't be the same without you. Ah, that's true. It never is. Scott Burnside, the great Scott Burnside. Follow him at The Athletic. Wonderful website there. We'll be back here on ESPN Pittsburgh. I just did the old man look of I can't find my glasses and I did the whole put your hands all over your chest because you can't find your glasses. Still can't find my glasses, so it's a good thing we have a guest because if anybody came on the call screen, I wouldn't know. I'd be like, uh, numbers, I think. Be Russian. No, no. Rossi, not number. Thanks, Scott Burnside, for joining us. The last segment tells us that Jonathan Tavares probably ain't going anywhere. And that's a good thing to think about if you're the Penguins, because as uh, long as you keep him on the island, he's no threat to you. Remember all that talk about John Tavares coming to the Penguins? Because every franchise player is itching to be a number three center. All right. Brian Metza. Brian Metza is... How are you? Brian Metza, are you there, my friend? I'm here. Do you, do when you was the last okay? time we did this? This is like it's old times. It's been time. quite some time. It's been quite some time. You know Brian from the Penguins Radio Network, one of the most astute hockey minds in the city of Pittsburgh, and I can say this with truth. There are a lot of people, myself included, who fail the decency test in my business. Brian does not. <laughs> Brian is a genuinely good guy um, who has had a goatee for as long as I know him. So one day he won't. But uh, Brian, uh, thank you for joining me. You're in Dallas? I am in Dallas, and uh, it is awfully hot today, my friend. <laughs> it, uh, you know what? Somebody told me it was the hottest day of the season so far for them. I think it's 101. Well, I think after a Stanley Cup final played in Vegas in the dry desert heat and then in D.C. in the very humid DC heat. It's only fitting we go to a combination of exceeding heat and exceeding humidity that is the big D. <laughs> All right. 
Oh, man. Brian, it's, 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 it's fun already, Rob, i got to tell you. Brian, you know, I know you love the draft. I love the draft. We all love the draft. But let's take people into this a little bit. Um, most of the players that will get picked today, we will never know about until they join the NHL. And, and most of the guys that get picked today aren't going to be quickly to the NHL. But having been the past drafts, I'm hoping you can help me paint a picture here for the audience on Adam Crowley's show, that what it's like to see a guy in those stands, not the first, second, third guy, but I always liked seeing those guys that were picked sort of after 15 that, you know, hey, they're one of the best players in the world at their age, but they don't get the attention. And to me, that was always the fun, seeing the reactions, because you don't really know after about pick number six where a guy is going to go. The player that a team treasures at number seven might not be a treasure to another team until like 28, and that's the fun of this event. It definitely is. I mean, you sit here and you, you, we all know that Rasmus Dalin, for example, he's going to be the first overall pick, and everybody's been saying that for months and months and months. And you can probably even uh, finger the next, you know, three, four guys. But as you said, once you get into the, the high teens, into the double digits, into number 20, some of those guys maybe fancied themselves because somebody was in their ear that they should have been taken in the top 10 or something. So it's already starting to get a little hot under the collar as they sit and wait, not knowing what's going to happen. And as you just pointed to, it gets a little sad in a way watching a guy who came maybe from Sweden with his family to uh, come to North America for the NHL draft, and he sits. And sometimes he's not taken until round four or five, and you can really sort of see the disappointment. And it's fun, though, to see the guy that did make that trip and still takes the time to come down and get to Jersey and goes down and does the interviews and all that. And uh, a lot of times the Penguins over the past couple of years have taken some guys that weren't even here, so nobody knew anything about them. They weren't a lot of the draft guys. They weren't there for their interviews, and that speaks to what you just said, because those players, people are left scratching their heads, and they're wondering, who the heck did this team even select? And as you said, we may never even see them for another three, four, or five years. Brian Metzer, my guest here. Follow him on the Twitter machine, at Brian underscore Metzer. Brian, uh, you've seen the team that win the Stanley Cup the last three years. Both rely on fresh blood and young legs to accentuate a group of stars that had been perceived to not achieve enough. It's easy to forget now because the Penguins won the Stanley Cup two years in a row that going into the 2016 postseason, there was a lot of talk that they better get this thing done because they had rebounded from the Mike Johnson era. They were playing well. They benefited from having a lot of guys. Back then it was rust Sherry, even two years ago, a guy like Gensel, Matt Murray, of course, the most prominent amongst us. You saw it with the Capitals this year. It strikes me that knowing that, I would think teams would be less willing to make picks or make trades involving high picks this year, first, second round, because those players, if developed properly, can get through your system and can really make an impact. Um, Where do you think the league is after seeing the example set by both the Penguin and the Capitol? Well, you you have to assume that they're going to say, okay, we have this guy sitting in our our depth chart or on our depth chart that's been playing in the American League or maybe 
toiling away in Canadian junior hockey, waiting for his chance to get the tap on the shoulder. And they might start to invite these guys to camp earlier. They might start to have them in their lineup a lot earlier than they once did. Now, we, we already started to see that stuff, you know, coming into the post-lockout era back in the uh, early 2000s where some younger blood started to penetrate these NHL rosters. But there was still a lot of emphasis on the big names and the stars and paying those guys through the roof. And that's why I think the free agency is it's not a dud by any means because it's still exciting and a lot of guys change places. But that is where GMs make their biggest mistakes and they kill themselves in not, in not having the ability to field a deep, uh, lethal kind of roster. Teams that go out and sort of try and plan their roster from within and find the players such as Brian Rust, who was in the organization. When he was drafted, a lot of people were kind of thinking, will he ever even make the NHL? And now you hear all this talk about him potentially breaking the bank on a contract, maybe being a trade chip. That's a player that is a mid-round draft pick that's really proven to be valuable for the Penguins. So when you look at that kind of thing, you look at the Devontae Smith-Pellies of the world and the Brett Conleys, who was once a high draft pick, but had gotten a a new opportunity with the Caps, you need to start to look for those diamonds in the rough Get them in your lineup because they're a lot cheaper, they help you win, and you've got to have a pipeline of those kinds of players if you want to stay viable because they then become the guys that command a higher salary, and you have to have youngsters available to come in and slot in in the backside, the backfield where those guys come out and either move up the lineup or move out of it. Brian Metzer, my guest here on the Adam Crowley Show. You're listening to ESPN Pittsburgh. Uh, Last one for you here, Brian. We talk a lot about there's been a consensus number one overall pick. What are fair expectations of the player likely to be a Buffalo Sabre within the next, you know, hour and ten minutes here? Well, I thought it was kind of funny that uh, the Hockey News had a quote from Eric Carlson saying, he's better than me. So whenever you <laughs> see a Swedish defenseman say that this guy at that age is better than him, that makes you really raise an eyebrow. And for, for, for by all accounts, Rob, it sounds like Deline can play great in the offensive zone. He plays great defensively. He's physical. He's not afraid to throw his body around. And uh, good for Buffalo because you know as well as I do, if you want to start to build your your lineup the way that uh, we've seen some other teams do it where they've started to get some success, I mean, look at the Penguins. It started with a goaltender and some defensemen, and you can't go wrong with a guy like Rasmus Dahlin who could potentially be the anchor on that blue line for years to come. And if they can find a way to have him just slot in and be a number one and build around him, I think that's going to be very, very good for them. And it sounds like he is just going to live up to the hype now. We've heard these situations in the past where it didn't happen the way that uh, it needed to, but I think he will be a nice fit. And if they can keep uh, Ristolainen in there as well, that would be two big pieces on the blue line that would really help the Sabres and Jason Botter will get them back on track. Well, and I know a lot of us in Pittsburgh are rooting for Botsy too. And we're rooting for Buffalo. It's a great hockey market. Uh, they, they deserve to have a good team there. All right, Brian, last thing for you, a piece of advice from old Uncle Rousey. For every beverage you'll enjoy, make sure there are three glasses of water when it's that hot. Just remember. You know I will. I'm a, I'm a pro in all in all possible ways, Rob. I know, I know you and I, are, you've my taught me well over the, You've taught me well over the years. Have have some fun for the old geezer back here, Brian. We'll talk to you when you get back. That's Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. Follow him at Brian underscore Metzer. We'll be back for the final hour of the Adam Crowley Show here on ESPN Pittsburgh.